Hello, and welcome to I Own a Business, a podcast focused on helping you grow the practice of your dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Vargo, and if you've listened to us in the past, you've probably noticed that it's usually me interviewing somebody else. This one's just me. It's all me, just me, myself, and I. And, um, you know, I was thinking about what are we going to talk about? And here's what I thought we'd talk about is goal setting. As we're looking at the, I'm currently recording this in the, what are we, December 12th. And so we're at the middle of January, looking at the next year going into 2023. Let's talk about your goals. Have you set goals? Do you have goals? Um, In the past, did you accomplish your goals or did you fail at at accomplishing your goals? And, And if you did fail, whether that's professional goals, whether it's personal goals, let's ask the question of why. Why did those goals not work out? So there's actually a lot of research on this that I've done. Is I've, I've tried to work with practices on this very topic of, of goal setting and hitting your objectives. Um, very important for a practice, I think, to have goals that, they, that they're working toward. And there's actually a lot of research on goal setting and not only how to set ourselves up for success, but also why we so often fail. So let me ask you this. Do you typically set a New Year's resolution? If you're like 80% of the population, you do. You set a New Year's resolution. Did you accomplish your goal? If you set one last year, did you accomplish whatever goal you set out to with that resolution? If you're like 80% of people, you didn't. And, And not only did you not accomplish your goal, but you actually failed by about mid-February. In, in fact, there's actually a day that they've defined as the most common day that people give up on their New Year's resolution, and it's January 19th. 19 whole days. Wow. Past the donuts. I'm done with this. So why, why is that? Why do we so often fail to reach our goals or give up on our goals? And I, I'm going to try to cover in this in this podcast, three main areas, and I'm going to give you the research that supports it, three main areas why we why we fail to accomplish our goals so often. And, and you can apply this to, certainly you could apply it to your practice, but you could apply it to your personal life as well. I'm sure there's things that you'd like to accomplish in your personal life. And if you're one of those people, I think we all do this from time to time, that we set a goal, and then next thing we find that we just kind of move on with our lives without really ever accomplishing that. Let's hit three things, three fundamental flaws with goal setting. Number one, we focus too much on outcomes and not execution. So let's take the classic example of the the fitness, the weight loss. I think that's probably one of the more common things that goals that people will set as if we just stay focused on that theme of a New Year's resolution. So let's just say you go into the New Year saying, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. That's my goal. And that becomes our focus. It's on the outcome, but not really on the actions. What if we were to change our focus to the actions and what we actually needed to do and put our our energy more toward the exercises and the workouts and joining the gym and, and what do I need to eat every day? What are the things that I actually need to do? Ironically, when it comes to goal setting, very often that's not where our, our focus is. It stays on the the outcome. And all the outcome really is, is just tells us if what we're doing is working or not. So that's the first one, a hyper-focus on outcomes as opposed to execution. Number two, the time frame is too long. And I think we have an obvious example in practice ownership, right? So a lot of you probably set an annual goal. 
you know, we're going into 2023. We want to set some annual goals. And inherently, there's nothing wrong with that other than it's goals that tend to be lengthy in nature tend to lack something that that really drives our efforts, and that's urgency. When the time frame is too long, there tends to be a lack of urgency. And usually what we'll do in these situations is let's just take an annual goal, right? We come out of the gate really strong, and then we kind of fizzle out along the way. Or we look at it and say, well, I've got a year to get this done, and then we procrastinate up until it gets later in the year. So how do we build some urgency into the system. And the third one, which is really, um, really prevalent in, in why we don't accomplish our goals, no accountability. That And we're not good at holding ourselves accountable, as we've seen in the January 19th example of Quitter's Day when we give up our New Year's resolution. So we're really bad at holding ourselves accountable. But we're also not very good from a leadership standpoint at holding the people on our team accountable. Okay. So again, number one, focusing too much on outcomes as opposed to execution. Number two, a lack of urgency. And number three, a lack of accountability. Let's tackle these individually. So let's focus on creating urgency, creating accountability, and and probably the most important one, executing. Let's stop talking, deliberating, planning, thinking, thinking about it, and just do it. When do we get to the point where we're actually just taking action? That's the execution part. All right, let's start with urgency. If I, I don't know if you have kids. I got two teenage boys, 16 and 14 years old. And I'm, here's what I know. Here's what I know. If I were to say you have to clean your room by the end of the day, they're probably going to do it at the end of the day, right? But if I were to say you have to clean your room within the next hour or I'm taking your phones away, then it would become, oh my God, you're going to take my phone away. My oxygen supply will be stripped away from me. What will I do without my phone? And now we've got a sense of urgency because the clock is ticking. We got one hour. You tick tock, tick tock, you're on the clock. So it's okay to have an annual goal, a a three-year plan, a five-year plan, but just keep in mind that that what research has found, okay, in terms of goal setting is the longer the time frame, the more likely this ugly thing will sneak into the process called procrastination. And procrastination will destroy the main thing you need to succeed at your goals, which is discipline and consistency. How many of you are part of a gym? And when you go to the gym, you see people of all different fitness levels there, but there's that certain core that's there that is in really good shape. They're the ones you look at and say, well, I really wish I looked like that person. What's the difference between what they're doing and everybody else? And I bet it's not because they have some massively superior workout plan, right? They're there. They're showing up. They're consistent. They don't give up on January 19th. They keep showing up. So the antidote to procrastination is to introduce urgency into the process and and shrink the time frame. Okay, so let's take your annual goal, whatever that is, and let's start by just breaking it down into quarterly goals. And you might have those already, but I I do actually think it's it's a, a good strategy to have, let's say, an annual goal. But what do you need to accomplish Q1 in the first quarter that's gonna put you on a on the right path toward reaching that goal. 
And you could even take that quarterly goal and break it down into to weekly goals. What do we need to accomplish this week individually or as a team that's going to put us on the path to hit our quarterly goals, which align with our, our annual goals? I actually created something that I'm, I'm happy to share with you. It's, it's called the IDOC 12-week goal. And I want to give due credit here to um, a book that really inspired me called The 12-Week Year by Brian Moran, who I, I had the opportunity a while back to interview for another podcast. The book and his approach, it really shaped the way that I approach goal setting. And for me, it confirmed some long-suspected flaws in, in traditional goal setting. So happy to share that, that document or that template um, if, if you want to email me, it's svargo, S-V-A-R-G-O at idoc.net. I'm happy to share that with you. Um, but what it really fo- focused on was a few things. But one, one thing was shrinking the time frame and creating urgency, which prevents procrastination. And procrastination so often kills our, our efforts to, um, uh, to reach our goals. And built into that 12-week process is the other two things we talked about, accountability and execution. So whether it's a quarterly goal or a 12-week goal, it means nothing if people aren't executing. And that's really where leadership kicks in. I've heard this before at our events. I've had um, at our conferences, other ODs come up to me and say, we we love coming to these events. Uh, we have one in particular, it's called The Connection at IDOC. And they'll say, we really love coming to these events. We, we come down every year, we bring the staff, we bring everybody, we get so many great ideas, we hear all these speakers, and we're so fired up when we go back to the practice with all these great ideas, and the whole team can't wait to start implementing these things. And then what happens is we kind of get busy, and we, we fall back into our old ways, and then we just we just stop doing it, and things go back to the way they were before. So what that tells me is that there's a real lack of accountability in that process. There, there's a lack of accountability for the outcomes. And so we, we're, we need to talk about that as well. And, and that's built into that 12-week process that, that I'm referring to with the IDOC 12-week goal. And the other thing is execution. You know, a lot of times an OD uh, practice owner will tell me about, when they tell me about a goal or want to discuss a, a, a goal or a bonus program that involves a goal, is, is they'll describe the outcome. So Here's what we want to do. We want to grow 10% this year. We want to grow our revenues 10%. And if we do, the staff gets a bonus. And my follow-up question to that is, is almost always the same. I say, okay, great. What is the staff supposed to do differently to drive those results? And nine times out of 10, here's the answer I get. Ready? Here we go. Those Those are crickets, by the way. So it's just, I, I don't think many times there's a, really a lot of thought put into what are we going to do? It's just this process of sort of dangling a carrot out there and hoping that that magically it inspires and motivates people to perform or produce at a higher level. And, and sometimes that works. And if it does, I would say keep doing it. But a lot of times it doesn't because a lot of times practice owners will report back that, you know, we... We set a goal, we implemented a, some kind of a bonus or incentive program if people hit it, but here's what it didn't do. It, it didn't really inspire perf- increased performance or production or motivate people. And when that becomes the case, then you're just giving out money for the same results. And that can quickly become an entitlement. You really want to avoid uh, something like that becoming an entitlement. So this is really another situation where leadership 
kicks in. And, and something that, that good leaders do really well is they provide clarity, including clarity on people's roles and responsibilities, and they get very specific with it. So let me give you an example. Let's just say, to use the same goal, that the goal was to grow our revenues by 10%. Great. So what do you want the staff to do? What's the behavior change that, we're, um, that we desire? Well, now you get into to the execution part and, and defining the tactics that, that you want employees to execute on to align with the goals, to, to put you closer to reaching um, the goals, to basically drive results. Okay, so an example of this might be a patient reactivation program, and maybe this is something that is assigned to a front desk receptionist or a technician, and it could be something involving, let's say, calling patients who haven't been in the office for the last two to four years as part of a patient reactivation program. That's what we're going to do, one of the things that we're going to do to drive results. But even that, I would say, is not specific enough because you might have a situation where, let's just say, that front desk person started doing it but then got busy with his or her other tasks and then just kind of stopped doing it. That happens a lot. So to get more specific with the um, with the tactics, maybe it is a um, uh, calling fifty patients a week. So it's we're going to focus on patients who haven't been in for the last two to four years, and the goal is to call patients, call fifty patients a week. So that's the execution part. That's where we're going to put our focus, not on the ten percent. We'll get into the accountability part, but that employee will have to demonstrate that they are indeed calling fifty patients a week. But we'll get into that in a minute. Um, the revenue growth, again, which is the target, the 10% part, really just tells you if what you're doing is working or not and allows you, it's, it's good data, it's a good metric that allows you to adjust. Um, if, if it's not working, it, lo- it allows you to, to make the adjustments um, that, that are necessary to get the results that you need. So again, this is a process of focusing, focusing on actions more than results. I know what some of you are thinking you're thinking, yeah, they're going to fight me on it. And when we try to do new things, they don't stay with it. Uh, they don't do it. And things go back to, you know, they might change for a little bit, but things soon go back to the way they were before. And it's really hard to implement change. And you're not wrong. Change management is hard. But that's exactly the scenario that plays out when when there's no accountability. When there's a lacking accountability, then it, it the change management does become very difficult. So let's go to that next step of holding people accountable, holding employees accountable, because that's often where we drop the ball. In fact, 50% of people in leadership positions are terrible at holding employees accountable. And that sounds kind of harsh. Terrible is actually not my word. That was part of a study done at Harvard where 50% of people in leadership positions self-identified as terrible at holding others accountable. Why is that? Let's let's dig into that a little bit because I think we'd all agree it's important um, to have the ability to hold others accountable, but I, I think we'd also agree that it's not a lot of uh, leaders' favorite task either. I think the issue is an aversion to confrontation. A lot of people don't like confrontation. Some of you are fine with it. Some of you, and you know who you are when there's dirty work to be done, you say, let's go. Let's go. I'm... I'm you're, you're, you have no issues with that, but a lot of other people are, they, they struggle with that area and they tend to let a lot of things go that 
on for too long that, that shouldn't go on for too long because they, they struggle with holding others accountable. So within the system I'm talking about, it, it allows for the ability to hold others accountable in a way that doesn't feel confrontational. And, and a lot of it is, um, uh, you know, one of the things that, that's part of this is holding weekly accountability meetings where people need to report on, on their progress. One of the best definitions that I've ever heard for accountability is putting people in a position where they know in advance that they're going to have to answer for their performance at a later date. Let me repeat that. Putting people in a position in advance in which they know they're going to have to answer for their performance at a later date. So in general, this is where accountability kicks in. When when we're giving somebody a task, something to do, setting an objective, and they know they're going to have to report on progress, it creates a mechanism of accountability because in general, people aren't going to want to have to keep reporting back to their boss or a superior or a manager why they continue to underperform relative to expectations. Okay, let's get in front of another issue that, that could come up with that. People can still be resistant, right? And, and we know that. We know that. People can still be resistant. When we look at research involving why don't employees do what we want them to do. And that's actually a, a study that was done. It was, why don't employees do what you want them to do and what to do about it? One of the very top, two actually of the very top things that, um, that were found in this, in this study were employees don't like your way and they like their way better. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow for some of you and, and certainly the, the control freaks. Um, find that particularly hard to deal with um, because the more controlling management style feels like they're the ones that need to constantly be um, directing everybody else and and sort of giving out, dare I say, orders to other people and, and just expect those to be followed. But we have to consider too that these are not robots that we're um, – that we're leading, that we're managing. These are human beings. And, and I think you have to respect the data and the research on that, showing that a lot of, in a, in a lot of cases, employees, they want to be involved. And if they feel like your way is not the best way, while you may not like that as a, a leader or manager, um, we, can't, we can't ignore that that could be a, um, a reason that staff can either resist doing things or sabotage efforts. You know, people aren't often going to go to their boss and say, I don't like your way of doing things, but employees quite frequently can sabotage efforts. And, and I really believe that that's one of the problems or one of the sources of those scenarios where a um, maybe a practice owner will say that, well, we tried doing it for a little while, but then they wouldn't do it. They went back to doing it the, the old way. So how do we get around that? Well, you know, I think one clear way is to involve the staff more in these decisions, so when, when we're talking about these things like setting goals and how are we going to accomplish our goals, what do we need to do, uh, that doesn't have to be you, the boss, telling everyone what to do. It could be a collaborative effort with the whole team where you're inviting everyone's feedback and input. Now it's, it's our process. It's our goal. It's our system. And this makes accountability a lot easier because now when you have those accountability meetings, you're asking people to report on things that they've agreed to. Basically, you're asking people to hold themselves accountable. When you give people a voice, 
in the process and let them have some decision-making power, then you put them in a position where they have to hold themselves accountable. And if you're one of those people that kind of lets things slide because you don't like holding people accountable, this, this can be a great alternative to that. And if somebody's not following through, then we need to find out why. Is there a valid reason for that? And sometimes there is. Sometimes it's just a matter of maybe the person is was not clear on expectations. Maybe they've got too much on their plate with their, um, with their regular job or with their, their day-to-day tasks. So it, it allows us to do the things that we need to do to support them. But again, it also creates the accountability as well, because now there's nowhere to hide. It's not just one of those things where you're going to um, set some directives out there. And if people don't follow through, then there's no consequences. That's just, that's not the case. And that's a really a recipe for failure. Um, let's, l- let me mention something about focus as well, because it may be tempting to set a lot of goals, but that often results in a lack of focus and a laser focus on fewer goals and tactics are, are typically more likely to get results. So when the achievement of a goal becomes daunting and overwhelming to everybody, including ourselves, we often abandon the effort altogether. And in most endeavors, there are many activities that help you accomplish your goal. However, there's usually a few core activities that account for the majority of the results. And if you focus on the minimum number of actions, that would be my my suggestion. And again, looking at the research and what really drives the um, what really drives the success of goals, a lot of times it's a, a hyper focus on a minimum number of actions required to hit your goal. And the key word here is focus. So don't create a daunting system for your staff. It, just get really clear on on what are your goals, even if it's one goal. Um, and then what are the, the handful of things that you either need to do as a team or people need to individually do, again, the actions that are going to drive results. Okay, so the key points here, let's just go a quick uh, recap. What are the problems we tried to resolve? Um, one, a hyper-focus on outcomes over execution. So what we're trying to do with this system is focus on execution over outcomes. Get crystal clear on the few things that you need to focus on that are going to drive results. Number two, a lack of urgency. The time frame is just too long. So what we tried to do here is, is shrink the time frame and build urgency, add urgency into the system. And then the third one was a lack of accountability. So with this system, what we're trying to do is create a Uh, create a system where we're holding people accountable or creating a culture where people have to hold themselves accountable to their own ideas. So let me close out here with a a story of COVID, over COVID. And like a lot of you, when we were under quarantine, um, couldn't make it to the gym. The gyms were closed. Everything was closed. So what we did, we kind of added some things to our downstairs workout area. And I, I mentioned I have two teenage boys, a 16, 14, so they would have been a little bit younger at the time. And um, so we started working out, I, all three of us, and I could sense that they were getting a little frustrated because they weren't seeing results right away. So I took a piece of paper and I wrote 1% on it and I stuck it to the wall. And of course they asked, what does that mean? And I said, just focus on getting 1% better. Every time you work out, just focus on getting 1% better and 1% bigger, healthier, whatever we're focused on. But over time, that 1% is going to really add up. And 
I think the same thing can apply in in practice, where if you just set goals but focus on the journey, focus on constantly that that process of continual improvement, the results will come. And you may not always hit your target. Um, that's okay. Enjoy the in, enjoy the ride. You will make progress over time. And I, I've heard this phrase before, and I think it's probably true. We tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in a day, but we underestimate what we can accomplish in a lifetime or even just a year, a, a more lengthy period of time. And in my experience working with ODs, that's exactly what I found, that success is not typically some massive sudden change or overhaul of the practice. It's just doing the right things consistently. So I hope that gives you a fresh perspective on, on goal setting for 2023 and, and helps set you on a path to success. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we'll keep doing them. Please subscribe, share, tell others. And as long as you guys keep listening, we'll keep doing these. Uh, if you're interested to learn more about IDOC, you can find out more by visiting our website at www.idoc. That's I-D-O-C net. And thank you so much for listening. I wish you nothing but continued success into 2023 on your journey to reach your goals and build the practice of your dreams. Cheers.